Hi sisters and welcome to Preceded by Chaos where there will be conversations of topical issues, points of view and real life experiences. Whilst nervous to finally start my podcast, my aim is to have discussions that my listeners may hear for the first time, wished they'd heard when they were younger or resonate with in the hope that they realise that they are not alone in the chaos that is life. I would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which this episode is being recorded, the Bunyurong Bunwurrung people of the Kulin Nations and pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. I do need to give a trigger warning here at the start of the episode. Today I will be talking about sexual assault. If this is something that is distressing to you or it brings something up, I would encourage you to call the 1800 Respect Line and the number for that is 1800 737 732. Hey guys, good to be chatting to you all again today. As you can probably see from the title of this episode, today I will be talking about the Brittany Higgins case or the Brittany Higgins trial as it's been called and I want to get into why we have been calling it the Brittany Higgins trial and what that means sort of in terms of our justice system and rape culture within Australia. Um, I'll be honest, this is the second time I'm recording this episode. When uh, the news broke on Friday that the retrial of former Liberal Party staffer Bruce Lehrman of the alleged rape of Liberal Party staffer Brittany Higgins at Parliament House was being abandoned, I straight away recorded an episode and probably hadn't given enough reflection or enough time to sort of say what I wanted to say in a, in a nuanced way. I actually let one of my managers from work listen to the recording I had made and we both agreed that there were sort of too many uh, awkward pauses. So I thought, you know what, just scrap it and uh, start a whole nother one. And then obviously yesterday, Brittany has posted on her Instagram some really poignant things that I sort of was focusing on anyway. So I thought, you know what, We'll just start a whole new episode. So I do know that obviously that I need to release this uh, pretty soon because it is a topical issue and this uh, has been on the news uh, since Friday. So yeah, here we are. Um, now, in case you haven't heard of Brittany Higgins, I think most people probably have heard of her. She's been a name that's been in the media now for a few years. She famously did an interview with Lisa Wilkinson uh, on the project where she told her side of the story. I'm sure a lot of people have seen that, but I'll give a bit of a refresher anyway. So in 2019, Brittany Higgins was a 24-year-old junior member of staff in the coalition government, and she worked in the office of the then Defence and Industry Minister, Linda Reynolds. Uh, Now, on the 22nd of March 2019, some of the office went out for drinks. Now, this is is a fact. This is not what's in dispute. Um... Now, Brittany got drunk at the bar. This again is a fact. Staff at the bar stated that they saw her drunk and she decided to go home. Bruce Lehrman, one of her colleagues, offered to share a taxi to drop her home but said he first needed to swing by work, which is obviously Parliament House. Now, they arrived at Parliament House at approximately 2am and the security guards had to let them in. Again, this is not something that's in dispute. This is a fact. 
And security said that it was at the point in which they had to go through the x-ray machines as part of the security protocol to get into parliament that they realised just how uh, drunk Brittany really was because she couldn't actually get her shoes on again after having taken them off to go through the x-ray machine. And then they went up to Linda Reynolds' office where they both worked. Uh, Security escorted them up there and they can be seen on the CCTV footage. So everything that's happened so far is not what's in dispute. Um, What is in dispute is what what sort of happened in the office. Now, um, if we're just going to continue with the facts, Bruce Lerman then left the office approximately 20 minutes later and left Parliament House alone. And then uh, when security went back to look for Brittany because they'd seen him leave alone and they knew they'd obviously come in together, uh, security guard found Brittany naked on the couch in Linda Reynolds' office. Now, again, what if anything, whatever happened uh, within the office in that sort of 20-minute time frame, um, it's all alleged because the jury never reached a verdict. Will I suppose in a way never know. However, what I will say about if anything and whatever happened in that office, it certainly was non-consensual. And we know that uh, for a fact because Brittany was highly intoxicated. And I've said that before in a um, bit of an episode that I did about consent that uh, if you are drunk, you are actually unable to give consent to any sort of sexual acts. There are certain things you can't do when you're drunk. One of them is obviously get behind the wheel of a car. And another one is you're unable to actually engage in um, consensual sexual acts. So again, it's hard not to draw conclusions, hard not to read between the lines. But again, this is all alleged, okay? And I'm not going to sit here and say what I think about it. Um, And this case has sort of been on my mind in the last few months, probably because it's, you know, been in court and been on the news. But why it was on my mind was actually because I was really, really interested to see uh, what the jury was going to say and what the verdict was going to be because uh, for a number of reasons and I think it would have really sort of been very telling about how we view sexual assault trials, uh, how they go down in our justice system and sort of where Australia sits on trials such as sexual assault allegations and rape culture. Um One of the reasons that I was interested to see what the jury had to say was because it was such a high profile case that it would have been hard to actually find an impartial jury for this trial. And we know it did have to go to retrial because at one point the jury was not not impartial. Um, And again, we know that there is a low rate of convictions when it comes to sexual assault trials. I think it would have been really telling about the direction in which our justice system is is moving uh, if there had been a guilty verdict found on this. Um, because the way the justice system is set up, and I'll, I'll sort of go into that and the flaws we have in the justice system, is that Brittany Higgins actually ended up on trial, essentially, uh, as do a lot of other alleged victims of sexual assault. And she even said that in her post on Instagram that she felt like she was the one on trial. And Everyone had been calling it the Brittany Higgins trial, which is really ironic because 
that is what happened. She was the more famous of the two, I suppose. We kept calling it the Brittany Higgins trial. And again, with a lot of these cases, the victim ends up on trial and essentially has to prove that they're not lying. So again, it is important to separate this. It's really hard to do though. The judge even said, you know, this trial, this allegation, this verdict is not a representation and not a pre, like, uh, I guess, precedent for other uh, sexual assault trials. But because this is so high profile um, and because we don't see that many sexual assault trials uh, in general and let alone get a guilty verdict, it would have impacted on us as a society. I mean, there would have been a bit of a divide and there's already a hundred opinions, you know, um, about this because say, for example, if you were someone like Bruce Lerman who had been accused of a crime, guilty or not, uh, the jury never gave their verdict. So he was never acquitted of this crime. So I suppose you might say he didn't get a fair trial, but he was never acquitted. His name was never cleared. He is forever going to be the, an alleged rapist essentially, Whereas on the other hand, uh, if you were an alleged victim of a sex crime, you'll say that Brittany Higgins didn't get a fair trial. Um, and it might impact on you and the way, you know, subconsciously or consciously you move going forward. You might be sitting there at home watching watching this unfold and think, mm, if it wasn't worth Brittany Higgins to continue with the trial, if it was taking such a toll on her when she is essentially so famous now and has such a lot of support, it's probably going to be too hard for me. It's probably going to take too much of a toll on me to go forward and press and press charges or even take this to trial. So I think in a way it does say a lot about our justice system, the way it's set up and how we view things and how essentially we all had a hundred opinions about this case. And this is why uh, the case was dropped on Friday. The prosecutor, Shane Drumgold, said that um, to continue with the trial would have uh, been an unacceptable risk to the life of Brittany Higgins and that the ongoing trauma associated with the prosecution uh, presents such a significant and unacceptable risk to the life of the complainant that she'd actually been hospitalised and he said that he had seen that Brittany had faced a personal attack that he had not seen in over 20 years of doing this work. He said, for the justice system, this is a catastrophe. This means the case remains unsolved forever. And that's so true. It's so sad because in this instance, justice has not been served. No one is a winner coming out of this. And it really begs the question as to whether we need to reform the justice system to give both victims and accused a more fair go when it comes to these sorts of cases because we're just not getting justice for alleged victims of sexual assault. Um, so if we talk about sort of, again, I'm not, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a judge, I... I mean, I studied legal studies in like year 11 and year 12. So it is it is interesting. But again, I'm no expert. So I'm just trying to, you know, start a bit of a conversation and spark some thoughts around this because it has played on my mind. And I'm 
sure everyone knows someone who has felt that they have not been listened to or they have not got a fair go within the way that the Australian legal system is set up. So um, if you have been accused of a crime, so if we're going to go back to the Brittany Higgins, Bruce Lerman case, if you've been accused of a crime, you have the right not to be compelled to give evidence against yourself in a trial. So for Bruce Lerman, he didn't ask to be there, so therefore he didn't have to take the witness stand. And I mean, already it's a bit of a flaw because obviously no perpetrator, no alleged perpetrator, sorry, is going to ask to be put on trial. Whereas because Brittany had asked for the trial and she had chosen not to take the stand, oh, sorry, because she asked for the trial, she had to take the stand. Had she not, she would have been subpoenaed. So she could not exercise her right of silence. Now, currently anyone that takes the witness stand is subjected to something called cross-examination. That is where um, essentially the defence counsel are trying to imply that you're you know, you're not credible or you're not reliable and your credibility is questioned. So Bruce Lemon never had to be cross-examined because he never had to take the stand. And I actually heard someone say about cross-examination once, which I think is really true, that no one leaves cross-examination looking good. So the uh, defence lawyers who are representing the accused will try and essentially assassinate your character, bring up anything they can to try and make you look unreliable, such as, oh, I don't know, like um, your past relationships, your past sexual history, potentially if you've had any issues with drugs or alcohol, which again are really not relevant. Um, and it can become quite victim blaming, victim shaming, slut shaming. And this is Again, another flaw when it comes to sexual assault trials, because if you take other sort of trials, for example, like a murder trial, obviously the victim of a murder trial never has to take the stand, um, but you don't sort of have this victim blaming happening. You never sort of hear defence counsel in a murder trial say, oh, well, you know, he took drugs, he was a bit of a shit bloke, therefore, you know, he deserved to be murdered. Like it just doesn't happen. Um, whereas when victims of sexual assault have to take the stand, they're sort of, I guess, made out to be lying by the defence counsel and they have to prove that they're not. And that becomes a he said, she said scenario, which we know is not, is not real evidence. It's circumstantial evidence. Um, and it is based off of who you believe more. Do you believe the victim more, the alleged victim more? Do you believe the alleged perpetrator more? And that enters really dangerous territory where we're coming to verdicts based off circumstantial evidence. Now, um, whether or not you think Brittany Higgins is lying, she has said that she was required to surrender her telephone, her passwords, her messages, photos and her data over, whereas he was not. So already we have this uh, unfair advantage. Um, she's also come forward and said that she struggled to find employment 
following these allegations coming to light, whereas Bruce Lemon, he was actually given references when he was asked when he was asked to leave the Morrison government, he was given letters of recommendation so that he could find another job. Um and if that doesn't really say enough about sort of the patriarchal rape culture we have in Australia, which I think I could just do a whole episode on, so I might just do that. But that says a lot. That really screams the fact that we have an issue here. Um, and again, whether or not you think Brittany Higgins is lying, it's a lot of effort and a lot of, I guess, a big toll on her mental and emotional health to go through, like for what? Just for, I don't know, is she doing it for money? Like to have your whole life scrutinised in front of the public eye to the point where she has to be hospitalised because of her trauma that, you know, this is all created. Nothing is worth that. No amount of money is worth that. So, yeah. It's the same with a lot of other cases. Uh, Victims come forward. They have to be identified. Well, they don't have to, but they are identified in the media and their whole life is then under scrutiny. If we just want to look at a few of the statistics when it comes to sexual assault cases. So only 13% of sexual assault is reported to police. So it's already really low. And again, it's for reasons like this, that people get absolutely dragged through the media if they come forward and say, this has happened to me. We know that a survey showed us that one in eight Australians believe that if a woman is raped whilst under the influence of alcohol and drugs, she's at least partly responsible for what happened to her. These are some really shocking statistics. And again, if you're someone who has gone through something traumatic like sexual assault and you're sitting there and thinking about how hard it would be to get justice, you might just not come forward. You might not go to police. You might not go through with the trial because if you're thinking, you know, look at what happened to Brittany Higgins, she got absolutely crucified in the media, you're going to put that in the too hard basket as well. Whereas um, if you look at something like the Larry Nasser case, the Ghislaine Maxwell I mean, there was a lot of victim blaming in that as well. But if you, you know, all it took was one person to be brave and stand up and say, this happened to me. And then all of the others followed suit. So these sorts of things do hinder on other people and what other people are doing and sort of how they're treated for other people to come forward and uh, push through with charges and try and find justice for themselves as well. I mean, even in the Ghislaine Maxwell thing, they, the uh, defense attorneys were, victim blaming and victim shaming and as is the case unfortunately with a lot of sexual assault trials they were bringing up things like some of the girls who may who may have dabbled in drugs and alcohol following being abused by Jeffrey um and Ghislaine which again reason they were probably on drugs is because they were traumatized from what happened to them so not relevant but yes um so if we're sort of going to think about how things can can improve and it's re- really, really sad that Brittany Higgins never got justice um, one way or another, to have to go through such a traumatic event anyway and then to have to sit there in court um, 
in front of your in front of the alleged perpetrator, the person who's caused you so much trauma, to then go through the trauma of reliving the details of what happened, some of the things that you might not want to share but you have to because you've sworn an oath, to then be grilled by the defence counsel to try and, you know, make out that you're lying because we do have this tenant of innocent until proven guilty uh, in this country as in many other countries. Unfortunately, that's not good for sexual assault victims because it implies that they're lying when they take the stand. It implies that this person is innocent and you need to tell me why they're not. And that can be really, um, that's really gaslighting victims and it can also make them feel really isolated and obviously re-traumatise them. Uh, Louise Milligan, who is an investigative journalist, in her book, she said that there needs to be training for defence lawyers when it comes to sexual assault cases. She said that it's actually not necessary for defence lawyers to be as brutal as they are when cross-examining alleged victims. So the defence counsel can test the burden of proof without essentially victim blaming, victim shaming and absolutely dragging someone who's been brave enough to come forward and said that this has happened to them over the coals. It's not necessary. And the other thing I would say is that not only is uh, victims such as Brittany Higgins traumatised by what they went through with the defence attorneys and being put on the stand, probably the way the media has been scrutinising her as well hasn't helped. And I mean, obviously she did come forward and she did go to the media first, but she was in a really tough position where she, this is a bit unique because she did work, you know, for the government, but as is with other um, crimes as well, you don't have that sort of, I think this person's lying, I think that person's lying, as you do with sexual assault cases that go, uh, that sort of are portrayed in the media. The other thing that I think would sort of help the system if we're talking about moving forward, how we can make things better for other victims so that we we don't just have 13% reported to police. That's 13% being reported to the police. That's not even the ones that go to trial. So the use of expert evidence. Now they do use this um, in child sex abuse cases. So they have uh, an expert who specialises in this and sort of the psychology behind victim behaviour take the stand and they explain certain things to, uh, if it's a jury, to the jury or to, if it's just a judge to the judge, such as why maybe the victim didn't come forward earlier or things like that instead of putting the alleged victim on the stand and roasting them because you wouldn't put a five-year-old on the stand and be like, you're lying. So I think that that is transferable. That is something that we could use in sexual assault trials because when you, first of all, when you say someone's an expert in something, it does instill that little bit of credibility and a bit of trust in them. And then if they're able to explain things behind why people might have done them rather than the victim themselves having to say, well, you know, I was traumatised and just bringing that back up again can do them more harm than anything. Um, And the other thing that, again, they do use in child sexual abuse 
scenarios is they have judges that are specialised in that area. So we need more judges, I would say, that specialise in sexual assault because that way they can sort of referee a more fair courtroom, uh, make it a bit more of a fair trial. Um, and it's just really sad. It really is because it would have in a way, I think possibly encouraged more people to come forwards had, had there been a conviction, had there been a guilty verdict in this case, because if we're just looking at it, Brittany Higgins has had her whole life turned upside down again, whether this is true or not, she has had her life under scrutiny. She has been called names by people in the media, by people in the government. And she's had to try and prove that she's not lying. And she's already traumatized by what's happened to her. So again, if you're someone that is watching this thinking that maybe you should press charges, you'll look at Brittany Higgins and go, yep, if she's got no chance of getting a guilty verdict, if that's taken such a toll on her mental health that it becomes not worth it, sure as hell is going to take a toll on my mental health. Um, and I know that I, I know that the justice system has been reformed in a way that hopefully we can have these more fair trials, but the way it is, it's still not enough. There still needs to be more change. Um, we need to move away from sort of this attitude that it becomes a he said, she said scenario. The fact that we have this tenant that the accused is innocent until proven guilty, because again, it implies that the victim is lying. The victim is already being gaslit and, you know, um, isolated, which perpetrators aim to do anyway, is to isolate, make other people think that the victim is lying. And that just further reinstates that feeling for the victim. So they just end up in a worse scenario than they were before, essentially. And that's why a lot of people just think, not worth it, not going to do it. And as a result, we still have these rapists and um, sexual abusers walking around in our community. And if we are, if, if they do happen to get a conviction, they get sentenced to things like 19 months. I know um, the perpetrator in the Grace Tame case, he got 19 months in prison. She gets a lifetime of trauma and you know, torture essentially. And he just gets 19 months in prison. So a lot to think about, a lot of change that needs to be made. Again, I'm not going to single-handedly take down the legal system. (laughs) I just wanted to voice my thoughts because I did have a lot of thoughts about it. I did think it was very sad. I did think we were making progress. But just to hear some of the things that the defence attorneys were saying to Brittany Higgins, the fact that they will stoop that low to victim shame, an alleged sexual assault victim, to get a not guilty verdict for their client is just really disgusting and needs to be said that um, we are just perpetuating this cycle of rape culture within our society and 
again, it's just all about power and money. And we could go on and on about this. But yeah, I just wanted to voice my opinions. Love would love to hear other people's points. I have tried to be as sort of pointy and and nuanced as possible. And hopefully that made coherent sense what I was saying. But again, would love to hear other people's voices because I... I'm sure there are other people, there are probably people that disagree with me and think that, you know, um, it's only right that we question victims under such conditions, such as taking the witness stand. And that's fair enough. You're entitled to your own opinions, but I would love to hear why. And I mean, obviously we don't want to send innocent people to prison, but when it's that hard to actually get, there needs to be enough evidence for it to actually go to trial. So to then you know, put victims on the stand and ask them to essentially go over the details of what happened again, there needs to be a better way. So I would love to hear some of your thoughts. Um, bit of a, a bit of a sad one today, a bit dark. Um, and I think I will do, I'll do a whole nother episode on rape culture because I have so much to say, but yes, when I saw the news about Brittany Higgins on Friday, I was like, I got to say what I think about this straight away. So Yeah, big love. Would love to hear from all of you. Thanks. Bye.